favor. But how? The minute we move in there, they're going to spot us on their radar. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Not if we jam it. Aha! Uh-huh. You're right. Down scope. Down scope. <laughs> So you have that responsibility to try to create a an ongoing positive group experience by keeping the, the positivity going with the personnel that you invite in. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Costa and Hollis a little bit later about some uh, C5 uh, type stuff. Contact. Uh, contact, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Graham's favorite, so he's excited. Uh, speaking of Graham, as always, the one and only Graham, the aquatic ape man, Dunlop. <laughs> hey, buddy. How's it going? Good, how you doing? So, I don't believe in your crazy evolution theories. No, it gets better. <laughs> you are the wolfin. I am the wolfin, yeah. You're the wolfin. You are the halfway between the wolf and the dolphin. Actually... I think I should play that jingle of you being an all-in believer in wolfins. Do you have access to that jingle? I do. Anyway, so uh, we actually got some feedback on an old on an old argument. Actually, I might as well do the. So the funny thing is that I didn't even think of these when I was arguing with you. But Buster has commented on the YouTubes and said, face-to-face sex, control over breathing, nostrils that point backwards when swimming, humans are partially aquatic. Now, if you think about all those points... Face-to-face sex? What? What does that mean? What other fucking mammal has face-to-face sex that doesn't swim in the ocean? Oh my god, that's 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 what you're going with? What other mammal has nostrils that point backwards while swimming? What what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. So the wolfin <laughs> and the aquatic ape thing come together as us. Oh my god. You're the wolfin. That's the evidence you guys have? We came from something between a wolf and a dolphin. So which way do you think it went? You think we're mammals that went into the sea? Do you think the dolphin is some a further advanced form of human? No, I don't think it went there that way at all. I don't but think dolphins we... are the second, or possibly the first, most intelligent animal on Earth. Yeah, that doesn't mean that they're related so, to us. Only sure, like ninety nine percent of our us. DNA. Yeah, that's okay. That that does, that's not related. No. Okay. <laughs> doesn't mean we evolved from one species to the next. But I don't. I don't know. I don't think we evolve from one species to the next. No, you don't evolve from one species to the next. You evolve into different species. That's the same thing. That's so it's, I mean. well, you're never going to turn into a dolphin. Just a wolf. We fucking split, or a wolf. Those fucking parts happened a long time ago. Those separations. You have a cousin that's a wolf, and you have a cousin that's a dolphin. Fuck you, and Buster proved it. No, he didn't. 
I proved it good enough for me. We should do another aquatic ape episode if someone that isn't racist. Well, well we're doing a we're doing an into Africa episode coming up. Oh. It's awesome. That's not aquatic book. ape. No, but it's evolutionary type thing. It's, it's it's only it's not us coming from apes as much as where we started from and how we ended up in Africa. I still think uh the aquatic ape. Uh like that's a lot. Well, I had the and wolf it and jingle. nicely with the wolfen. Yeah. Did you have the wolfen jingle? Yeah, but then I've I've lost it. You lost yeah. it. How'd you lose it? Well, I saved it to our shared folders and stuff, and there it's not there. So forget it. So as long as we're in the social media section, I got I don't get this one from Yoni. So it was a. It was on Grand America Talks Fukushima. So, I love Dana. The feeling is inverse to the feelings that come up about Fukushima and the fuckheads around us. If you guys are getting good feedback or really bold, or feel really bold, as you should, there is also Kevin Blanche in San Diego. Kevin also posts very regular since Fukin Day 1. Another extraordinary, brave, determined man. Him and Dana... Christina Consolo, a.k.a. Radchick, and Lauren Moritz. That's it. Everybody else is in it for fun and profit. Check Cliff High's back writings about structured water. He links to the tool to make it. Very Crisap Audio. Oh, Grimericanos. Cliff High on, on structured water? So then I asked whose audio it was, whose audio was bad. And he said, your Audi, dude, or sprung dirt technic or something. Grimericano audio always being suburb content stellar. No <laughs> German car can match it, but a late 80s Ford truck can. So, Joni, I have no fucking idea what any of that means. You're going to have to. Uh, I thought he said our audio was good, but then I thought he said our audio I, was he, bad. Then he's saying Audi. I don't know. I'm lost. Audio, you know, audio because he's German. Audi. Is he German? Maybe. I don't know. I need him to explain. That comment to okay. me anyway. Yeah, Joni, please, please explain. Uh, maybe I should play a jingle. No, hang on, hang on. That's hilarious. Okay, enough messing around with this one. I got, I got one for you. James made that one. Yeah, fuck you, an James. Only believer in wolfins. I am. I guess I am. I can have an aquatic ape guy on the show to prove me right too. Let's do it. I have uh, actually have our first. Uh, speak pipe message and like uh you know i think we pay like fucking eight bucks a month for speak pipe and we get like one message a year what is it i think it's speak is it speakpipe.com slash grammarica i don't know but i think it's in the show notes we should make a pretty link for that notes. so it should just be like grammarica.ca slash talk or call call okay let's play the, the see I, rant the fucking um the voicemails from Felix too. So this could be anything. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh boy. 
Yeah, well, where? Maybe fucking speak pipe socks. This is Grant's <laughs> BioT Grant segment. Put some butter in your coffee and go and do some hot yoga. This is Grant's BioT Grant segment. Put some butter in your coffee and go and do some hot yoga. <laughs> I like the biotinkering. Biotinkering instead of biohacking. I like it. It's the Sir new Felix, bio. It's the Jingles Incorporated. Let I send you guys a, just a jingle. Speak pipe. Cheers. America rocks. Thanks, Felix. You need a de-esser. Or a pop filter. Thanks, buddy. That was awesome. That was a good one. On the fly. Well, I think we coined bio-tinkering last episode. Yeah, you did, I think. Because I don't think you're quite a biohacker. No. That's why I, I was admitting it. I don't really like that label. I'm just playing around. Tinkering. Trying to get and healthy. I- I succumb. Yeah. I do. I actually do the tents help a lot when I'm sick like that. The what? The tents. You take like a towel and put it over your head with some boiling water and some essential oils in there, like some eucalyptus or something. I've never done that one. No, I've never done that one. It's hard to do it for more than like three breaths. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, or you do it for a bit and you got to take a bit, but it really clears you out. Hmm. I'll probably do one tonight before bed. Yeah, you should because you're... Little stuffy. Oh, for a hell of a week. Yeah. So, normally we ramble on like this. People can fast forward to the interview if you want, but I've got some UFO stuff lined up for this special CE5 chat with Hollis and Costa. You do? Yeah, I got a a blog, an old blog from Grimerica to read. It's just a short one, and I got a sighting. Is it one of your blogs? No, no. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then I got a couple of UFO quotes lined up. Couple. Sweet. Yeah. What do you want to start with? Why don't we start with support? Sure. Check out grammarica.ca slash support and sign up for something. Or, well, you don't have to, but you can check it out anyway. Maybe you can like window shop. Um, and you've got a monthly plan there. Anything from one buck a month to 30 bucks a month. You can do one-time donations. Spam ground. We vowed to not have ads and sponsorship and all that, so we've totally gone away from that, right? Yeah, we've 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 crossed that road. Yeah, crossed that bridge, and so now we're just relying on you guys to uh, bail us out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, check out grabmarket.ca/support, guys, and uh, we'll keep giving you this shit for free. Yep. Uh, and there's a bunch of ways you can help with the show for free. All in the show notes. There's yeah. a whole list. The doobie doobie do list. Nine out of the ten ways to help the show are free. Oh, and there's a chat, too. By the way, people in the chat need to get avatars. Give you two weeks. Two weeks, you don't have an avatar, you're fucking out. Darren's seeing too many letters it's in the chat. It's too hard. To, there's like six A's, there's a couple of P's. I don't know who the fuck's who anymore. So time You, you for, kicked out the wrong Graham once. I kicked out the wrong Graham. Which wasn't... Sorry, Gainer. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a couple of days to realize it, too. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Trying to be all tough in the chat room. So did uh, we don't even ex- we didn't even explain that. So there's a Google Hangout now. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Do you do you know what the link is off the top of your head? America.ca/hangout. Oh, so okay, and it's just a it's just a chat room with everybody. It's a per- it's a perpetual chat room. 
Yes, it's a perpetual chat room. Uh, maybe. Because, fuck, there's over 100 people in there now. Yeah, it's kind of fun. So it's basically Graham and I are in there. Well, we're, we're probably each of us checking once or twice a day anyway. Yeah, just trying to pop in a little bit, but not much. But, like, it's hard uh, to keep up. We don't need to be there. There's like a hundred cool people in there that are yeah. having crazy conversations. Yeah, it's awesome. It honestly seems almost 24-7. Yeah, right? there's some good shit if in there. we get another hundred people in there, that'll be a 24-7 fucking yeah. gong show. That's a good, some good shit in there. If we get to 500, we'll make a mastodon. That's a problem. That, yeah, maybe, no, maybe left. Maybe left. Maybe less. Like 250 and we go to Mastodon. Yeah. 250. Or, or Somewhere or in there. Three, when, when there's enough people in the chat room that it seems worth it. Yeah. Because I think it's going to take me like a better part of a weekend to figure the fucking thing out. Yeah. Or one of you fucks already knows how to do it. And you spam grab. All right. No, you, you're the tech guy. You should, they, they should tech. Spam you. Yeah, they should spam me. He should if probably it's, spam If it's Mastodon stuff. Dude names, dude names, Ben, the. Dude's name's Ben's out there? Dude's name's Ben's. All right. So you want to hear a UFO uh, quote, or do you want to, do you want me to talk about some listeners experience and stuff? No chemtrail shit? No, no, we're not doing a geoengineering segment today. Okay, let's. Oh, no unless synchros? you want to rant, do your second part of your dare rant. A rant about vaccines. You want to get into that now? I'll get into that later. Okay. You go first. Okay. Uh, let's do this one. This is our very first jingle. Was it the first jingle? Get more yo -ho. I like it. It took this us like a... three months to figure out it was you talking in it. Yeah. This is the profound UFO quote of the week. I got two little guys here. UFOs defy worldly logic. The human mind cannot begin to comprehend UFO characteristics. Their propulsion, their sudden appearance, their disappearance, their great speeds, their silence, their maneuverable, their apparent anti-gravity, and their changing shapes. Now that was from Earl of Kimberley, House of Lords debate on unidentified flying objects, January 18th, 1979. I got another one from the House of Lords here, too. 79? Yeah. Well, it's older than I have. Many men have seen them, UFOs, and have not been mistaken. Who are we to doubt their word? Only a few weeks ago, a Palermo policeman photographed one, and four Italian Navy officers saw a 300-foot-long, fiery craft rising from the sea and disappearing into the sky. Why should these men of law enforcement and defense lie? That was Lord Rancalier, member of House of Lords. Two members of the House of Lords? Yeah. Well, no, one was one was a member of the House of Lords. The other one was an Earl of Kimberley in a House of Lords debate. So both of Brits. Yeah. That's special for the UK posse. You know, those probably Americans spying on them. Yeah, maybe. Oops. Uh-oh. What happens when you hit play all? Nothing, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is a, this is a, a saying from our, our uh, I might have read this already. And if we do, that's okay. I'll just do it again. And sorry for the person who, it's this from our blog, Altrusian Grace. And it's called Saturday Night's All, all Right for Sightings. Ah, he's a writer. This past Saturday night, February 18th, my wife and I spotted a glowing red object rapidly ascend into the northeast sky. 
I watched it, thinking it was a plane, but it stopped in midair for a few seconds and then reversed direction. It hovered around and repeated similar maneuvers. I ran inside to grab the video camera and the orb was still there, but to my disappointment I could not get it on the viewfinder because it was too dark. Watching this thing made the hairs go up on my neck, even though the skeptical side of me was thinking this could be a drone. I tried to single, signal it with my lighter, but did not receive any res- return communication as it descended beyond the tree line. I tried doing some research into drones that looked like red glowing orbs, but nothing really came close. Next time, I'll be ready with my night vision viewer in order to get some good footage. How come you don't have a night vision viewer? Uh, one of our group in the CE5s has one. Does he? No, yeah. You should borrow it. I think, I think, that, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know. I, I want a really good one, which a few thousand dollars is too expensive. I'd like a really good one where you can see, like, the, all the stuff up there. Like, I've seen, I've looked through some of them that aren't really what you'd expect. You get ones that are binoculars, too? Yeah. And you could probably yeah. see lots of satellites and shit. Yeah, right yeah. That'd be cool. Totally. So I got another one here. This is from Ryan. We met him at the cabin. Ryan? Crazy yeah. Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> Dear white people. <laughs> Get your shit together. <laughs> You'll have to listen to the cabin app for that one. So would you want to mention that? The cabin episode is an episode we didn't release in our normal feed because it was a little crazy. And drunk. And we didn't want new people. Yeah, we didn't want new people coming in and going, what the fuck is this? So so you can get it by signing up to the newsletter and Justin will thank you very much, Justin, for your help. He uh he volunteers to help us with the newsletter every week. And then he'll send you an ep- a link to the episode. Within a couple of days, not immediately. Yeah, it does take a few days. So. But he'll send you that link, and then uh, if you don't want to sign up for the newsletter, but you still want to listen to the episode, just uh, donate $100. And this is what Ryan says. He says, we tried to bring up my UFO sighting. <laughs> it was a bit of a shit show. And I'll retell it here. It was 10 to 12 years ago, about 15 miles outside of Seattle, well within the midnight hours. I was drinking with my buddies at a trailer. So we were all outside. There was a point where we saw a light in the sky west of us, and we didn't see it show up, but we watched it leave. It wasn't going terribly fast, and it didn't have the flashing lights of an airplane, just a ball of light, kind of like a bright star moving across the sky. As with airplanes and other terrestrial flying objects, as they go over to the distance, they go over the horizon. This object did not. As it passed over, it did not disappear over the hills. Instead, it faded into the middle of the night sky. While it's not a typical flying saucer story, I do not put what I saw into the airplane category. I've seen plenty of those flying through the night sky. So thanks, Ryan. <coughs> thanks, Ryan. Kind of like yours in a way. Reminds me. A bunch really? of guys doing stuff, like, looking up at the sky, seeing a star-like object flying was in a day, weird It was like daytime, though. Yours was? It was like four or five o'clock. No, I thought yours was dusk. No, it was still sunny in most of my backyard. you changing your story. That's a sign that it's a lie. Sunny in most of my backyard, except the sun was behind the house. Oh, okay. So it wasn't shining on me. I think, I don't know, it didn't really stick with me. Was it as profound as yours, clearly? No. Didn't you have a trip report, too? 
Well, I'm not. I'm gonna say I've got a bunch of trip reports. I'm gonna save them. Lose it again. I'm gonna save them. No, no, I got, I got it. Did you copy and paste it? I emailed it it to them. Oh, there you go. I emailed it to myself. All right. So, but I do have a little mini synchronicity here. Ooh, which jingle? I want a good skull for my synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Dara might give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low? Yeah, yeah. This is the angel synchronicity. That was kind of appropriate for the show as well. Brand new listener here, Gordon White introduced me. Thank you. Welcome. This is from Pat, Patricia. Um, here's a little synchro that happened last night. I was at home, waiting to go to the airport to pick up my sister, who is due to arrive in at 11. I like to use my time wisely, so I listen to the most of the Angel podcast. Very interesting and enjoyable. Then, off to the airport I went, only to find out the flight had been delayed 45 minutes. Seeing as it was late and I was tired, I went to the ATM to take out some money to buy a coffee. As I took my money out, a message popped up. Raphael's bank will not charge you for this transaction. I purchased my Americano and sat down outside the nearest ball called the Angel's Share. Short and sweet, but pretty good all the same. Looking forward to listening to more episodes. Uh, Angel filled night. Is Raphael an angel? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I thought he was a ninja turtle. I thought all the Ninja he's Turtles the, were named he's one after of the four, famous I think painters. he's one of the four archangels. Like Michael? Yeah. Raphael. Don't oh, say Donatello. <laughs> 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 so I got another I got another one here. This is it's not really a trip report, but it's sort of a paranormal psychedelic experience. And then I'll leave it at that. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people, by the people. It's a bit long, so put your phone away. Good morning, Graham. I started listening to the show some time ago and have made it to episode 93 on Spotify with Robert Wagner. 93 on Spotify? So all the episodes are on Spotify. I guess, yeah, wow. And they oh. must be numbered because we didn't start numbering till after a hundred, I think. Oh shit! Why yeah, did, why we did didn't we... start numbering till a hundred and one. Yeah, because enough people finally bugged us enough. Really? RPJ we... really pushed us. Really? I don't know why we thought not to number them. We wanted to be different. Remember, we were going to start calling chapters. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about that the other day. Chapter one. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first one's actually called Chapter One. Oh, it might be. I don't know. So it says, you guys don't need validation from me, but I do appreciate what you do and how you do it. And I want to share some less than profound experiences before I delve too deeply into the show beyond the inception of the psychedelic experience segment. Do we have a jingle for that? For what? We need a psychedelic experience jingle. Well, it's kind of a trip report, really. But yeah, ex- yeah, actually, spiritual awakening jingle would be nice, too. I thought maybe one of those ones was. It uh, might be this one. No, no. no that's my that's not it. Yeah, I don't think we do, you know. 
Okay. No, we don't. Okay. So I grew up in South Mississippi under the roof of a Baptist Christian home that my father built on undeveloped land in 1993. I always felt as though I could sense things that others seemed to ignore or be blind to. My first experience with what I interpret as an extra physical presence is one of my earliest memories. I was sleeping next to my parents one night and felt someone watching me. I identified a unique presence standing in my mother's closet doorway and gazing at me. I could not gather intent, but it did not necessarily seem malicious. More than anything, the entity seemed cautiously defensive. The only interaction with that entity signature beyond that experience was a couple of instances of recognizing the same presence followed by subtle manipulation of that very closet's light and door. Before we moved to a new home in 2008, where I experienced no entities, I found multiple sinkholes, and my dad found several arrowheads and stone tools, fragments and such in the woods around that old home. I remember my dad convincing me to respect and even avoid the sunken areas in the woods when I brought them to his attention. It was almost as if my dad was well aware of what I was suspecting. The sunken holes were approximately 4.5 feet long by 2 feet wide, 8 to 12 inches deep. So my second experience beyond the veil was a precognition that, ha- that occurred in the dream state. From elementary school through 7th grade, I became, a close, I became close with a classmate of mine. She and I had a connection that neither of us could explain. Before we were old enough to explore or understand that connection, she moved. Fast forward to my freshman year of college, I had yet to dive into eventual, habitual marijuana use and occasional psychedelic use. The only intoxicant experience I had at the time was a recreational diet of alcohol and tobacco. I was enrolled in literature class that focused on writings before 1868. My assignment at the time was to read an account of the Pilgrim's the Pilgrim Settlers of America. One night I finished a chapter whose focus was the logistics of the journey to America. The last thing I read before bed was a detailed description of the ship that the settlers sailed to America on. That night I dreamt in a completely aware manner that I was on that very ship that had been described in the writings. I noticed incredible details of the ship and marveled at the sea surrounding me before I began to be gently beckoned to the bow of the boat. As I climbed to the deck of the bow, I realized I was not alone. A beautiful woman with jet black hair and a dress of pure white was looking out over the ocean. As I approached her, I became aware that I knew her. I didn't know that if it was my former classmate until she turned to face me with a loving yet unbroken smile. No, yet heartbroken smile. I woke up to a phone call as the mist from the ocean sprayed her face. I answered the phone with my mother on the line. She told me that I should know that my former classmate and friend had drowned the night before. Jesus. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) I just realized how much material I've provided, so I'll cut it off there. I have a couple of additional experiences to share that were results of psychedelic use and meditation practice. If you guys are interested, I'd love to talk with Grammarica on or off the air if you find the need to fill some time with a conversation. All the best. JGD. You said Grimerica or Gramerica? Uh, Grimerica. So yeah, maybe we'll have a passport episode one day where people can call in and we can talk about that. Oh, we should do another yeah. call in show up. The thing is, 
We got to schedule it. Yeah, that's the hard part. And right now we're going through a bunch of scheduling issues. So, and out of town work. And yeah, all kinds of stuff. Fucking gong. But show. yeah, thanks for the thanks for the crazy for uh, dream. Two Holy. weeks in June too. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, we got to figure that we out. We got to figure that out soon. Anyway, yeah. Thanks yeah. for the email. That was a great one. That was a good one. Yeah. I finished watching my vaccine show. Oh right. Oh geez. How you fin- I thought it was just happening this week or no. Yeah, it was, was like ours? seven days. Seven days? Seven days, yeah. But it's over now. Is it? It's been the seventh day. So how so Last, you watched all so seven? The seventh in a row? one I think is available till like or no, it wouldn't be available anymore. So we're talking about what so you Dan had to watch it every day. Last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it's not yeah. I've had the feelings obviously since I had children. But uh Yeah. I just don't talk about it. Well, we we had Rappaport on years ago, right? And we got quite a bit of blowback, and we were pretty fresh then at getting blowback. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, I don't like to hear people say shit about my kids and shit either, so I just don't like to talk about it on the show. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's getting to the point now that it's just disgusting, and right now the CDC has another 140 fucking vaccines in the pipeline. Yeah, but we did uh, talk about another one too, vaccines, uh, some autism thing, show we did once. I think there was another one we did. Oh, that, yeah, we did. Yeah, you're right. But that one was different, I think. Yeah. Um. So what were you saying? So the, so the CDC, you said? What was I saying? The CDC's got another 140 vaccines in the pipeline. In the pipe. pipeline right now. So. And you wonder what. It's quite the, fucking feasible. Well they're, well, they're saying that right now. The next step is that it's going to, they're going to roll out um, adult vaccinations. So when I slid in Obamacare, they also slid in a new box on everyone's health form. So when they slid in Obamacare and everything, everyone had to buy this new little machine for all the data collection, right? And they were going to be like 40 or 50 grand a piece. And you had to have one for every doctor on your staff. And so it was going to cost a lot of money. But the government just decided they would pay for all of them. Now the government has access to all the data. And now, so starting in 2016, a new box on the checklist of your new Obamacare fucking federally tracked tablet, federally tracked medical records, digital records, digital that are probably not very safe. Well, and the government's watching anyway. And now vaccination immunization, uh, or vaccination, whatever status is on there. So it looks like, I mean, they're going to roll out so that they're giving us vaccinations from fucking birth till, till death. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, all this vaccination scare was all conspiracy, right? Oh, they're going to oh it still is out. a lot. Like, no. there's a lot of blowback no, right but, now. But, but now, it's coming. I'm no. telling you right now that the tipping point is coming. But I'm talking about this type of all-around vaccine for adults, like forcing Oh, us yeah, to it. yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Like, the fucking Nuremberg trials said that there was, could never be forced fucking medication again. I think they said experimental. But I think you'd be hard-pressed not to call vaccines experimental at this point yeah like right now you get a hep b shot in the states within the first 12 hours of your life in the united fucking states of america what's the hep rate how many fucking women the only way that uh that you can contract hepatitis b is through sex or using a needle with someone what the fuck is a 12 our old baby need a fucking hep B shot for. That's full of fucking aluminum. 
So, uh, like, they, I was looking at some stuff the other day that just compared, like, Norway and Iceland and shit compared to the U.S. Because Norway and Iceland have, like, the best infant mortality rates in the world. So the U.S., with all its vaccines, we should they, they should probably be the healthiest country on Earth, you would think. But yeah. their infant mortality rate is, like, 35th in the world. Wow, that's crazy. Canada's, like, next on the list in front of them. So would the skeptics say that that, that that the people don't get happy anymore because of the vaccines? No. Happy's always been transmitted through sex and need. No, 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 I know, but, but why people don't, why it's not, like you you said that people don't get. It was only introduced like in the last 30 years. So there hasn't been a hepatitis B problem in America in the last because, because couple of hundred. What the skeptics say is because I mean, you can go as far or? back. When people say that polio was eradicated by, by vaccines, if you really go back and start looking at the CDC's own fucking numbers, you'll see that fucking the amount of, if you look at the meningitis cases, I can't remember if it was viral or these meningitis cases, go up at the exact same rate as polio comes down. So I think in the beginning, you end up at like 300 per 100,000 cases of polio and like eight cases of the meningitis. And by the time you finish, you're at eight cases of polio and 300 cases of meningitis. Hmm. Add to that that the CDA profits to the tune of... The about, CDC? The CDC profits to the tune of about $4.8 billion a year on vaccines profits. that they own the patent to. See, that's what's kind of scary is this the profiteering off of off of this type of stuff that's considered healthcare, you know? Well, that's just it. What do you think? If you think that the vaccine companies, which can't be sued, take 75 cents from every dose sold to put in a fund to pay off people that complain, do no testing, have no accountability. I mean, if you're going to tell me that all of it isn't a fucking scam to try and make money... It's fucking impossible. That chick went from the CDC to the fucking, to Merck and got like a couple million dollars in signing bonuses day one. Yeah. Day fucking one. They had a whistleblower that came out that authored the fucking paper and said that it was bullshit and there's not nothing from it. Yeah. So this one dude in the, in the special, and he's probably the one of the ones that I like the best. So he opened up a practice. I think it's in uh, Pennsylvania someplace. I could be wrong. He opened up a practice, and what he does is he does basically, he, he, he tries to do real informed consent. Because that's what the doctor's supposed to be giving you, informed consent. But the doctor don't know fuck all about what's in that vaccine. Our doctor didn't know fuck all. Yeah. He just knows whatever the fucking pharmaceutical rep tells him to know. He doesn't have time to read the papers. Yeah. He's got as much free time as I do or you do, probably less. He's not reading this shit, so you should. Um. I lost my train of thought there. Well, you're talking about the uh, the informed consent. Oh, yeah. So he's opened up this place in Pennsylvania that he'd, he'll do actual informed consent. So this is a pediatrician. And there's a lot of pediatricians in the States right now that if you say no vaccines, they'll just kick you. They, they won't have it. So, but he's opened up this one and he'll be, he basically does informed consent. So he'll tell you everything fucking he does and he'll vaccinate however you want. If you want to do the full schedule, he'll do it. If you want to do no vaccines, he'll do it. If you want, but he's come up with his own way. So his own way cuts the first, uh, the amount of shots in the first year and a half. I think from, now I'd have to double check, but I think even that is still from some fucking like 40 to 20 or something like that. Because when he's going through it, it's still a lot. So he doesn't give any shots the first day. He doesn't give any shots, I don't think, for a month. And then you get a shot, 
boom, boom, every month. So, I mean, even when he's going through his thing, it seems like a lot. And when he's done, he even says, yeah, it seems like a lot. So I think he said he's got like, uh, he did a study from one year and it was, and it's informal and blah, blah, blah. He says, whatever he says, I'm not trying to take this to change books or anything. Just take it for what, this is my own fucking information. This is a doctor that right now is vaccinated. Um, or not vaccinating or whatever you want. So he sounds very unbiased. He, he seems really unbiased. Yeah. So like right now he recommends a lot of the vaccines. Yeah. So if you went with him and just took his recommendations, you would still get, I think like you still even get the hep B shot, but he'll give you the hep B shot when you're like 15, not 12 hours. No, because he's like fucking by the time. So he says out of, out of four to five people, by the time they reach the age of sexual maturity, the hepatitis B shot is no longer active. So when they need it, it doesn't work. Wow. So he doesn't even give them that one until they're a teenager, but he still gives it to them. So you have it since you're 12 hours old and it's not even effective by the time you get The only way it could help you is if your mother had hep B, which they would have probably known before you were born. Right. Or if you're having sex at 12. Hours old. No, or if. Oh, or if you're having. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could, you could probably get it earlier out. if you want. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and then he does other ones like the MMR one. He won't give till after three, right? Because he really doesn't like the MMR one. And I don't think the MMR one even really has, like, it's got a lot of bad shit in it, but I don't think it has aluminum. But the problem is the studies are finding that if you give those three diseases, like if you spread them out, even by a couple of months, it takes the risk factor down a whole time. Oh, right, right. But anyway, he, uh, so like rutabella, you don't even, I think rutabella doesn't, can't even hurt boys. Can't even hurt boys, but it can hurt a woman when she's pregnant. You get that. Um, but the other one, so anyway, he did this. So he, he did a study of, uh, he had a thousand kids. He had, he had a thousand kids that were on his vaccine schedule. And he had a thousand kids that were on, and this was from like 2010 or something. Mm -hmm. And a thousand kids that were, he had 950 kids that were on the full vaccine schedule. And he had 300 kids that were no vaccines. Mm -hmm. And he took them, I think he followed them for six years. Like he said, it's not a real study or, you know, you couldn't do anything with it, but this is just what I'm telling you from my practice, from my own. He's got like, you know, he owns a huge fucking facility. It's gotten big he's got like you know ten thousand patients going through this place or something like that or eleven thousand patients i think he said because now anyone who has vaccine questions or things has just everyone from the fucking area has just gravitated towards this guy oh, wow, right. and he says he can see the movement coming yeah he all the, all the people in this documentary agree hands down the one thing every single one of them agrees on is that within the next 10 years the fucking it's all coming down the cat's out of the bag yeah like, like the infrastructure is coming down of the vaccinating institutions. It's just that they can't keep it under wraps anymore. Yeah. It's just spiraling too far out of control. And now you've got fucking autism rates. Yeah. You've got that. You've got really high profile people talking about, you got a president that's probably going to look into it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he did that. He had a thousand thousand. He followed him for five or six years after these shots or four years or whatever. So anyway, the thousand kids that went by his uh, vaccine schedule, mm -hmm. no autism. Unvaccinated kids, zero autism. 950 kids, 15 cases of autism. That did wow. the full vaccine schedule, 15 cases of autism, which wow. works out to almost exactly one in 60 
which is the national fucking autism rate. Wow. So he said, not only that, he took it further and said that, sure, the kids that got his lower vaccine schedule, none of them got autism. He said, by a fucking mile, the 278 kids that had no vaccines were the healthiest kids in his practice. Wow. They, they were there the least, they were sick the least, and they had the least problems. Wow. Because they had robust and healthy immune systems yeah. that were formed naturally. The wow. way they're supposed to be. Yeah. The way the fucking... I mean, I posted that fucking quote from fucking... Not so half oh, From uh, uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah. In the chat room where he talks about how mankind earned our right to exist on this planet through billions and billions and billions of deaths. Right. You know, that's why I said that I would argue that, you know... People that died of smallpox and shit never died in vain. They died fucking immunizing the future. Now, people that get autism from a fucking shot doesn't seem like well, a real progress no, for anything. But it's not just that, not the autism part. It's all this other stuff that could happen, right? Like you're well, saying, not just, like you're the, saying the, the autism is the just, worst case scenario. Yeah, They're yeah. saying that right now. It well, looks like you're auto, case, autoimmune but, and all this other yeah. shit is fucking. It's, you've, it's playing like, a part I think in all one of, like one of the big ones is prostate cancer yeah it's like prostate cancer is now being linked back to some old fucking thing and it's just like the the because it could could be dementia could be schizophrenia all yeah. this fucking shit i mean it's tough because you've got the food that's the, the gmos and the chemicals and the paints and the oh lately i've been even thinking why even put aftershave on like i don't even want to put anything on now i'm just ultra aware of all the shit that's but and i mean that's something I've, I've felt my whole life is that it just from the time i was uh in high school like the one year i got and then by the end i wasn't wanting them anymore you know what i mean it just seemed crazy to me to be getting shots like i don't know how how did we get come to a point that you needed shots to survive on the fucking planet yeah 70 of them yeah that's a lot in three years so what why is it? How I don't think it was that bad when I was it's, a kid. No, it wasn't close to that bad. It's sixty nine shots right now. It started really ramping up in the nineties. Wow. Yeah. Now it's sixty nine shots, sixty nine to seventy two shots in the first three years of life. <laughs> Half of which have aluminum. Most of which have are grown in rat brains and have fecal matter and aborted fucking fecal tissue and. If you ask, they'll show you the ingredients. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything. Like, the, the one thing I'll say is that you kids could be vaccinated, unvaccinated. I don't give a fuck. They can come play with my kids any day. I don't care. I think it's a choice that everyone needs to make. Because, I mean, God forbid something terrible happens, you're going to have to live with that decision too, right? Yeah. It, it could bite you in the ass, but I don't know. I think I'd sleep better. You know? I'd rather keep my kids healthy and a natural way, and natural way than, you know, God forbid something else happens down the road and you wonder if it was a shot from 20 years ago. Or God forbid you're one of these people that walk out and swear that it happened fucking instantly. Yeah. No, I'm done. I'll leave it alone. I've actually talked to Ty. I'm going to try and get him probably on the show in the next couple months. That'd be great, yeah. But I, uh, I no, no, I'm actually going to start watching the next one now. His old one from like five years ago. The truth about cancer. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, that could be another big rant. Well, I don't know. Cancer, I still, you know, I still think that cancer is the combination of a lot of fucked up shit that we're doing. Yeah. And I still think that the best way is, you know, it seems like the people that have the most luck, the conventional system works sometimes, but it seems like the people that have the most luck are the people that go on like the raw, vegan, juice cleanse, no processed, no sugar, no, none of that crap. Yeah. Seems to be the best route, or at least you should be doing that. Or at along least you with have a what, chance. You should be doing yeah, that be, as well. So you should be doing that along with whatever else yeah. you're doing, because sugar yeah. feeds it. Yeah, sugar feeds it, and then like I heard a lot of people having success with doing like forty or fifty day juice cleanses. Hmm. So what's that? You just drink juice all the time? Like you can't eat it all? You, you don't just eat it all. Juice? It's all juice. Mike, my friend Mike from Vancouver is going on a on a. On the cleanse, the master cleanse. Is it master cleanse with the just cayenne syrup and oh, I don't know. Lemon Spud or does like three day ones. And he's gonna go on another. He's gonna go on a two week one. He's gonna he's gonna biohack. We got to talk about that in one of our coming shows. He's gonna biohack uh, enlightenment. <laughs> he missed that. He missed it. No, I didn't. I was just looking at the, the CDC is a for-profit corporation listed on Dun and Bradstreet with a mission and vision as stated on their website that the CDC works to protect America from health, safety, and security threats, both foreign and in the U S as a health practitioner agency, the CDC is supposed to save lives and conduct critical science. Blah, blah, blah. Hmm. All just a bunch of fucking pharmaceutical reps. Yeah. <laughs> Right well, I think it's across the board, right? The FDA, all of them. Yeah. All of them are. You got to kick them all out. Kick them all out and start fresh. Yeah. It's pretty big, bold statement there. Yeah. Everybody out. Give it back to the Indians. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Anything else? I got to go. Enjoy the chat. No. Hey, oh. wait. <laughs> I'm saying, you're kicking me out. I got to oh. go. I'll give you a I'll give you a card. No, quick shout out to Adam Curry's blah, small batch audio. His uh, Adam Curry, the podfather himself, a revolution in podcast is coming. I got a little in podcasting is coming. Do you want me to play the clip? Yes. Oh, give me the cord. <laughs> oh, played, sir. Oh, I was going to play here. I'll play this while we're waiting. Oh, it's coming. I want to see if we say chapter. This week on the Grimerica Show, the guys yeah. chat with Ephraim Palermo of PalermoProject.com. Hello, welcome to the first uh, episode of the Grindr. <laughs> I didn't say episode. I think I was thinking chapter. Yeah, we were. I think we decided the last second to okay. change it. Just go with the episode. Okay, ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Adam Curry. You may know me from my years on MTV or many years on radio and in more recent history as one of the inventors of podcast. As we can't get our sound right. There's a number of ways to make your podcast sound really good. And if you listen to what the pros do, like NPR, who also NPR podcast from their programming, they have a completely deadened room, very expensive to set up, and they have very high-quality microphones. 
What we've done is we've taken cutting-edge digital signal processing technology and used that to be able to recreate that type of sound through noise gating and compression and limiting and some EQ. Really, when you put the two next to each other, it's almost exactly the same. Right on. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's it's gonna. He's got a Kickstarter starting soon. So I think this is like a sneak peek into it. I think he's probably marketing a little bit before the Kickstarter actually comes out. Oh yeah, we should probably grab one of those. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll we'll donate to the thing for sure. Yeah, it'll be good for traveling. Yeah, that's the travel device. Yeah, because right now we're traveling, we got a bunch of different options. But you should have seen us on the road trip trying to get. Oh my god, we had like three different setups trying oh, to get it. Broke two cords. Mics <laughs> hanging from the. <laughs> we broke two cords. Yeah. American Audio slash support. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, anything else? Yeah, I no, think. I think that's about it. Uh, let me just check here quickly. Because I, I hate leaving, getting home, and then realizing I forgot to mention stuff on the on the show. No, that's it. Check out all the links in the show notes. This is, enjoy this great chat with Hollis and Costa. to this one for a while tonight we've got costa mccrease and paulus hulk with us now we're going to be talking about uh, et let's talk kind of like this the people's disclosure movement and uh sort of the global phenomenon of people trying to make contact with with ets it's going to be a fun one uh hollis is a is a psychic she's learned uh, nlp and hypnosis and costa is kind of the more the organizer with this thing he's like a I would say he's like a spiritual activist organizing like 11,000 people around the globe, sort of practicing these contact protocols. So without further ado, we'll get you guys to describe a little bit more about yourself, but thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us, Graham. Grateful. Happy to be here. Like I said, I've been looking forward to this for a while because I've... uh, I got in touch with you guys from uh, Celia, a friend here. We do some CE5 close encounters of the fifth kind contact protocols in Calgary. And and uh, I've had a couple experiences, and I'm just looking forward to talking to you guys about the, you know, the organizers of this whole thing. Actually, one of the nights we went out was because of your network, your social network, Costa, where we had like yeah. uh, 21 people come out. Because when that, when that app came out, I think everybody sort of found everybody all at once. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, we have a map on the um, on the website that connects people. It's a joy when that happens because people people really uh, a lot of times feel alone, 
And when they can find companies, especially physical company, like in their neighborhood, in their city, where they can meet up, it, it, it's powerful. And they're very happy. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, we talk about it on the show quite a bit because I I go out there every once in a while and Darren makes fun of my my CE5 practice, we call it, because sometimes we don't even go outside. We just, you know, get it together as a group and we we meditate. And, you know, the, what's it been like organizing this many people across the world? Because, I mean, I've had, I've known lots of people that have had strange experiences and I've seen a couple things myself that I want to run by you guys later. But what's it like organizing this many people? And have you seen a lot of uh, positive feedback and experiences from people? Yes, yeah, yes, to all of that. Uh, were it not for the internet, this kind of organization just could not happen. So as far as like the physical infrastructure aspect of it, you know, I'm on social media, there's there's email, there's um, uh, those kinds of communications that link us. And so people find out about the, the ET Let's Talk community, you know, via social media and search engines and, and all that. And they come to me and and. When you ask me what what it's like, it's wonderful because by one way or another, whether it's a a message on social media or an email, they introduce themselves uh, or they register on the website and they can always email me and uh, I find out a little bit about them. I try to help them along, answer questions, and then they refer their friends. So I don't have a huge advertising budget or anything. This is really word of mouth. And since 2000. A 12 when etletstalk.com was founded it's been pretty much word of mouth uh that has gotten us to about 11,000 members now uh, making daily daily weekly and monthly contact so the organization of it is is wonderful it's what keeps me going and keeps the community growing and connects people with each other too because uh, we're human beings you know we're social creatures and we like to to get together in groups and have friends and believe me, this is the kind of topic where you don't really find someone often next door that's interested in it. And so when you do find someone, someone that's nearby or on the other end of a, a laptop halfway around the world, you instantly have something in common and have some camaraderie and some support there. Yeah. So, so that's the short story of it. Yeah, definitely. I urge everybody who's listening to this, go to ET Let's Talk, check out the map. Sorry, etletstalk.com. Um, and check out the map and see if you have a potential friend near you with whom to do contact work. It's yeah, way more a, fun. Friends. Yeah, that's a great idea. So Where's the map? If you're on etletstalk.com, then how do you find the map from there? I'm just, oh. I'm actually on there right yeah. now. Oh, I see. If you're a, if you're a free member and you can just join for free with a, a quick profile, there are links there that say uh, CE5 member map and you can click through from the member homepage and it displays like uh, a map with uh, uh, display markers on it in different cities and stuff all over the world. And you can click on those and, and get the contact information of people. That's how it works. Oh, Perfect. Okay, cool. So, so can you describe before we get into your background about how you guys sort of got into this, which I definitely want to do Celia, our friend here in Calgary, mentioned to me that we should definitely get Hollis's uh, interesting part of the experience on how you guys sort of connected on this. Um, before we get into that, like, can you describe for people what these groups of, of people do all across the world? And, and um, do they keep 
in touch with you after? Do they send you reports or anything like that? Or how do, how do you, uh, is there an official sort of, uh, communication link there or is it, is it all pretty informal? Um, well, it's informal, but it's very steady and reliable. Uh, the, the monthly ET contact events are a virtual thing. So wherever you are in the, anywhere in the world, you uh, join with the rest of our teams on a Saturday for a 24-hour period, anytime that it's convenient for you during that period. Right. And I usually I publish the dates of those Saturdays so that they're closest to the new moon. And that way, when people go out, uh, they're assured they have a better assurance that there's a dark sky because oh, of yeah. a full will wash out the sky. And people love to see the lights in the sky, although that's not the uh, the only part of ET communication, but it's it's an exciting, fun part. And I still love it after all these years. But basically, uh, yes, people stay in contact through the social media. I send out regular emails and announcements um, announcing the uh, the monthly events. And after the events, people are, are urged to write up their report of what they saw and upload it to the etletstalk.com website where other people in the community can read it. Okay. People also share their, their experiences on social media. So it is a community. I'm trying to get people to contact each other and then contact ET and then describe their experience, record it, or upload even pictures and videos. People do that. And then talk about it. Because the basic thing is that uh, I've tried to make this community a safe place where people can tell their stories. Yeah, I hear over and over from new people that they have a spouse, um, a family member, a friend that just doesn't understand. And maybe there's hostility or they have to keep it quiet, whatever, so that they can't talk about it. And when they discover the community and find other people there in it to whom they can talk about this and vent and share and learn something, they're delighted. And that makes me happy because that's the whole idea. Right now, it's a, I just want to create a safe space. Now, there are other reasons the teams that need to be out there, and I can go into that a little bit more when um, yeah, you ask us about how, how this uh, etletstalk.com was formed because there was a goal set for it by ET Intelligence itself. Uh. And I can allow I can elaborate a little bit on, on that more. Sure. Sure. Let's, let's first, uh, first of all, I want to say that that's kind of what we're doing here on the podcast as well. We, we do have a place like we talk about listener stories quite a bit and people have found a place here to share their stories. So I totally get where you're coming from on that. Like it wasn't necessarily intentional that we started out, but that's kind of where this is, where this is gone. And I want it to be free to talk about all kinds of stuff like this as well. So it's good that, you know, people are finally, they're not finally, but they're resonating with that. So, but let's talk, let's talk about a little bit about, uh, for people that don't know, like, can you give us, and I'm sure each group is, is doing their own separate thing around the world and they have their own style on how they get together and how they communicate. But could you give us like an overview of like what a typical night would look like? Yeah, sure. And I could also ask Hollis to, to pitch in there too. Yeah, for sure. Well, this would be good. Cause I'm not allowed to go. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> this will be good because Graham doesn't let me go. <laughs> no, no, actually, that can be part of the question is if somebody's really negative and, and uh, overly skeptical, should you let them into the group? Well, based, it's, a it's a problem. And um, you, <laughs> you, you have to be uh, aware of that because the whole idea behind 
making the contact is is a group coherence, and that means a coherence in your in your visualization right. and why there your intentions, your perspective, how you're approaching ET. And if there's uh, one or more members of a group that isn't coherent, who's let's say someone who has a lot of fear that they may or may not acknowledge or may or may not have told you about, but anyway has fear or a skeptic, extreme skepticism or hostility towards ET, it's not going to work. And uh, group leaders have wrestled with this, and some of them are very uh, diligent about filtering people before they allow them in a, in a group, you know, interviewing them, asking questions, and others are, are not. They just allow someone in, and then when they have a bad experience that nothing happens, they sit there and they look back on it and go, well, what could have happened? And then they realize that a certain person that was new did have some negativities. And that has definitely happened to us in yes. our local group here. Wow. And um, I, guess, I guess there's also fear, unconscious fear, too. People may not think they're afraid, but maybe there is a deeper a deeper yeah. level. Yes. And in my own story, I, I had fear, too. So I'm not condemning people who feel that way. I, I've been down that road and am, am sympathetic. But having said that, if someone does come with fear or other negativity, I and many others uh, who are group leaders want to know about that because uh, you can say, bless you, go off and work on yourself. And then when you feel you can you know, kind of match the openness and the loving heart that the rest of us are using, you're welcome to come back. But you have to be kind of really careful and protective uh, of your group. Because you have a responsibility to everyone else. If you're a group leader and you're letting in negative people, the whole group will suffer. Everyone goes out, sits out in the cold, you know, and spends hours looking at the sky and nothing happens, right? So you have that responsibility to try to create a, an ongoing positive group experience by keeping the, the positivity going with the personnel that you invite in. Right on. So let's, let's get into like what, what a typical night would look like then. Sure. Uh, every group rolls its own and does it in a different way. I will say that on the website, on etletstalk.com, there's a seven-step uh, protocol procedure with a, a visualization and a meditation to make contact. And what I emphasize is that, um, that people have an open, loving heart uh, and be pe people of goodwill. A welcoming ET. You know, this is kind of like a knocking on the door and saying, howdy, neighbor. You know, you want to be on your best behavior, you know, your most open social welcome, uh, rather than, you know, being paranoid or something. So those seven steps are my suggestion. And um, again, I emphasize a loving heart, goodwill, positive intentions, etc. People will then take those seven steps I've discovered, and they kind of roll their own they, they'll add tones, they add music, they may add chanting, you know, and there's no way that I want to be a policeman or could be a policeman of all that because I have hundreds, probably thousands of groups worldwide, and it's just impossible to stay on top of that kind of thing. So I just emphasize the core stuff, like I said, loving heart, goodwill, open mind, invitation, um, and then leave people to do their own. And they do make contact. It's not a hard and fast thing that everyone has to use every word that I put out there. The way they roll their own does result in contact, hmm. both on the ground. So here we are. People will come to, uh, I'll use our home as an example, which might be typical. Uh, I set a little bit of a timetable with an invite. 
people come in, we do a, um, a group meditation in our living room, uh, which I usually lead and which also Hollis will, will give an assist or lead sometimes. And afterwards, we do a little bit of a debrief because people have had an experience for those uh, usually 20 minutes. And we learn things. Uh, some people have seen actual ETs there among us, sharing the space with us. Others will get messages or see visions of something that's related to what's going to come later or that's related to topics we're talking about with ET. So this sharing period is really valuable. It kind of um, opens up and gets the social grease going in the communication between all of us. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing. And then we eat. We, we personally have a potluck uh, because this is really about vibrations and love and frequency. And when people break bread together, uh, and especially when there's newcomers there, it's, it's a nice way to make people feel welcome. You sit down over a meal, people are telling stories and laughing and joking and welcoming the new people. So that furthers the group spirit and uh, you get to eat a lot of cool food that you wouldn't otherwise. So, you know, we're not against that at all. Um, after that, we'll pack up and we go out to our field site for two, three, some people stay four hours. Mm -hmm. We do a short meditation out in the field once we get in a circle and get ourselves established. And then we spend the night sky watching. And with um, sometimes we'll have five people. There have been times when we had 24 people. Uh, with so many eyes to the sky, it's really cool because people can, can face in different directions so that you're very limited in what you can see. But if someone behind you is looking in another part of the sky and they see something, then that other set of eyes is wonderful. And they can alert people. Uh, the rest of the group there to, to to look at what they they have seen. Yeah, this is one of those places where more is definitely better. You know, a bigger circle, more eyes looking in more places leads to more contact. I mean, even if the same number of you know ships, whatever, were out there, if you have more people, you're going to see more. Yeah, yeah, that's a typical night, and then a group breaks up. Uh, some people stay longer, some people don't. Um, it, it's very free form and flowing. And then we, and, and here's the thing, we, um, people can make contact anytime, even though I set up these monthly events and we've been doing these events for seven years now uh, with the, the community on a virtual basis, it doesn't stop people from doing contact anytime. They don't even have to go outside. You know, if they're into it for an evening with some friends, do it in your living room. You'll make contact. You'll get telepathic messages or lucid dreams or weird flickering of lights and answers to your questions. I mean, there's a, a million different creative ways that the ETs do find uh, to, to communicate. And so people avail themselves of that. And like I said, they can do the contact anytime, daily, weekly, as often as they want. And, and I encourage that. And there are plenty of people who do it, you know, if they live in a fairly dark area, like we live in a very light polluted area, but there are plenty of people who will just like go out in their backyard and have all kinds of experiences. My hometown was good for that. You could go out in the middle of the lake in your snow machine in the winter and you could go where there's like on a new moon, there wouldn't be, there'd be nothing. You could see the Milky Way and stuff. Do you guys have wow. like uh, light vision, night vision goggles and stuff like that too? We don't own any, but sometimes uh, some group members that come will have night vision equipment, and we love it. It's it's expensive stuff to get the good quality. You know, costs thousands of dollars. But but when do, someone does show up, 
the, uh, the goggles get spread around, get passed around rather in the group uh, so that everybody gets a chance to look at a field of vision that's 10 times more populated than what you can see with, with your naked eye. And here's an interesting thing. Um, anybody who's looked through binoculars knows that you're just, your field of vision is very narrow. I mean, you're looking at a certain part of the sky and it might be the size of a, you know, of a penny, really, because it's so small and that's what you're seeing through your binoculars. I have had instances where even though I've been looking at a narrow field of vision in the sky through night vision uh, binoculars, an ET craft will come across the middle of my screen and stop and flash and then move on. Wow. And then no, it's a satellite and it's not a friggin' plane. They know exactly where I'm standing and where my line of sight is with these tiny little binoculars where it projects out of the heavens so that they can cross my narrow, narrow, narrow field of vision and say, hi, I'm here. That blows my mind. And it's just one of many instances I could come up with, but that story just came to mind right now. Yeah. So is there other equipment that you guys use? Like uh, I've heard of, you know, like radar detectors and uh, one of the guys in our group, um, Josh bought a, uh, electromagnetometer. I think he brings that out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those uh, those are safe ways for the ETs to to communicate. And you know, I mean, it, like in a very rural area, which you were talking about, if you've got a radar detector out there, and you know there's no source of of, of signals for it, and then the thing starts going off as you're communicating with ET, you can be sure that this is a, a genuine contact and not man made. Uh, and that's why the radar detectors are very cool in those remote kind of areas. Um, so aside from laser pointers, which I know some people use and it's very controversial, we don't anymore. We've had some bad experiences with them. Oh, wow. But we used to. And, yeah, they're very they're very convenient, but I don't recommend them. Well, and at this point, they are actually the, illegal the, in the U.S. They are illegal. Yeah. Airline regulations. What kind of bad airplane. experience did you guys have with them? Well, we had one member who was careless as he was pointing in the sky and flashed the um, the beam across the eyes of someone. Well, go ahead. And uh, caused him problems for about a week. He did not lose his sight, but he did have problems. And that was just uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was another time when a member used it that um, that there was a lot of sky activity uh, because of an airline disaster that had occurred near us. And long story short, we wound up with a black helicopter over our house, <laughs> as did another one of the members. And that was, um, I mean, it was totally innocent. Nobody was trying to do anything. But, but the use of a laser at the wrong times like that, even if you're being careful, you know, you're not shining it at a plane, but even if you're being careful, Bad things do happen. I just don't recommend them. And and I know for every story I have, someone will come in and say, we've used these for years and it's been highly successful. Okay, what not? Knock yourselves out, but they are illegal. Um, and there's uh, other ways you can use to identify parts of the sky. And so we, we go with those. Yeah, yeah. So is there is there any other things that you've heard from people across the world that work better besides your basic sort of seven steps or your protocols? Is there some other things that people have said bring them more success, like whether it's bringing like singing bowls or didgeridoos out there or doing some other type of 
meditation or protocols or anything that sticks out for you? Well, there's no comparison that's been made. Um, that what you're asking is is not a conversation anyone has had or any place where they go like this is better or worse. Um, although it, I think it's legitimate to try to weigh things out, but you know every group is is different and. It's impossible with all the different methods that people do use to sit down and do some kind of comparison. You know, you need some kind of metrics like what constitutes a better experience for the people with the didgeridoo versus people with a singing bowl. I don't have the kind of time. I'm basically a staff of one. And to run those kinds of comparisons and try to get people involved is is not the right use of or, or the possible use of my time yeah no i didn't mean like in a scientific way i just meant in a general like you know anything stood out as far as like people going hey well we've been having success with this or that you know you know what okay uh thank you for, for clarifying that i i misunderstood the, the nuance of where you were that with that um yes people will be enthusiastic and and write me and they will say you know our group chanted this use that other thing, uh, use these tones, and they've been successful for us. And I go, that's great. Keep it up. If it keeps working, do it as long as it's harmless. Uh, do what works for you. No two groups are the same. And uh, they uh, all can experiment and find out what works best. So I, I support people uh, who, have, who have found a good way. Right on. So do you guys want to get into a little bit of your backstory on how you guys met and how that, how this, uh, this whole thing came about? I mean, it's, it's a fascinating topic for me, the people's disclosure movement, because obviously there's people all over the world that are more open to this than ever before and they're getting together and you guys have been a big part of this. Um, yeah, we hope to continue to be, to be a big part. Um, I founded the people's disclosure movement in 2010 and, uh, it's, Basic premise is we're not waiting for governments or other institutions to tell us what we already know, which is, hey, ET is here. They've been here a long time, and we know it. We just don't be we don't believe it because we know it. And waiting for some authority to make an official pronouncement and 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 make us feel good is, in my opinion, the wrong thing because that gives you the that gives the authority the power over you mm-hmm. to make. I'm active and you passive. So the whole idea is to turn this thing on its head with the people's disclosure movement and what I've been describing uh, with the contact we're making. And that's go out, grab your lawn chair and a few friends and take your power back and look in the sky, make your own communication. And then you become a knower, not a believer. And no authority can take that experience away from you. Oh, they will try, but they can't take that away from you. And once you've had your own experience... You can't be dissuaded from it. Like if you, and especially if you've had an experience and somebody else has had this, has seen the same thing or heard the same thing, no amount of any government, any authority telling you otherwise is going to, is going to sway you. You have to have your own experience. And that's what we can describe because uh, you asked us about our story, how we got here. Yeah. We had experiences that, yeah, that tipped us over the edge of this being a mere curiosity into, wow, yeah. uh, you know, I want to explore this more. This was cool. And every many people I talk to in the community also have a tipping point experience or two. Um, all different, 
all unique, but they all the same. So I'll let, uh, I don't know, how else you want to go well, first? Or? You need to start. Well, yeah, that's okay. Let me, <laughs> let me say, uh, my deep, deep background was as a child growing up in the 60s in the Midwest, I was um, fascinated by astronomy, by science fiction, um, by the space program at the time. So I was all about space. I was not a spacey kid. I did very well, had my feet on the ground. But man, if it involved the stars and traveling there and learning about them and whatnot, uh, I loved it. And I picked up my first UFO book. I don't know, I might have been 10 and was fascinated right away and and went and read all of that I could. There wasn't a lot in the 60s like there is now. So fast forward many, many years. I want to do my background too. My um, okay. Okay. So I'll as let... a kid, I was totally fascinated by the space program, you know, in, in ways that little girls generally aren't. Um, I listened to every launch that I could. I, when they eventually were televised, I watched them on TV. I had notebooks of clippings. Um, and eventually it's actually why I eventually became an engineer was because I was so taken with the whole space program. I was not, however, interested in astronomy at all and and had no interest whatsoever in uh science fiction so uh yeah hollis and i share a little bit of the the space thing and again that was through nasa which a lot of people don't like these days for different reasons (laughs) but but back then uh it pretty much ruled the roost and the the mercury the gemini the apollo programs just ignited the imagination and in a way united the world that I don't think we've ever seen uh, since then. <clears throat> so that's that's our background. Uh, for me, in 2006, I discovered that there were people that were going to Mount Shasta near, near my home who were going out under the stars and they presented this whole new idea of, of doing CE5, which is Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind, yeah. where you do human-initiated bilateral communication with ET where, you know, you become active instead of passive. When, when you're passive, you're hoping, hoping someday against hope that you'll have an experience of seeing a UFO. CE5 lets you control that experience and create it. So I learned about that and uh, went out with a group for a week. At that time, Hollis said to me, uh, she was very supportive and said, you know, look, I, I know that they're here and it's a big universe. Certainly there's life and it's visiting here, but I don't see what it has to do with my daily life. So you go on, have a good time and I support you, but I'm I'm not as interested as you are. And that's and you'll understand why I'm saying this now as the story develops. Yeah. Uh, the long story short is during that week I had. um Actually, three things happened that changed the course of my life so that I wound up doing this ET Let's Talk community. I had experiences of my own, which no one could take away from me. But the one that, um, and I could probably get into two of them, but the one that's really most uh, important here now is is the the one that involves Hollis. And by that, I mean, uh, during the the week that I was uh, away, I would call her every morning. I knew exactly when she was having her coffee at 6 or 6.30 in the morning. And I would call her and would share with her what I had seen last night with the group. And I was all excited because it was my first time. You know, we were seeing 
craft in the sky, making zigzagging patterns, stopping, flashing. And then when we would ask them to flash again, they'd flash again. I mean, uh, we would see orbs shining in the trees. So much stuff was going on that every morning I had something to tell her about the night before. Well, long about, um, about, the, fifth about the fifth morning, I call her. And just before I can start my little spiel on what I'd seen, she stops me and said, wait a minute, you know, uh, I've got a story for you. <laughs> and my response was, say what? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm the guy out here doing this stuff. What could possibly be cooler than what I'm doing? I'm, I'm overstating this. I'm being kind of funny about it. But but it did make my jaw drop for a second. Like, okay, well, go ahead. The floor is yours. So I'll let her pick the story up from here. So the night before, um, I was lying in bed reading. Closed up the book. Uh, you know, I was sitting up in bed. Reached over, turned out the uh, bedside lamp. And, you know, kind of came back and, you know, you have to kind of scooch down into bed. And as so I'm sitting up in bed, getting ready to scooch down, and I notice there are three or maybe four little beings standing around the foot of the bed looking at me. <laughs> They're white, like a, like a translucent white. They have a slightly large heads, kind of skinny arms, a to- you know, neck, a torso. I couldn't see their legs because, you know, bottom of the bed, right? They're standing right around the foot of the bed. Um, and they're looking at me and what I hear telepathically is, who are you? (laughs) Now I should say, I mean, I see them with my eyes. This was not clairvoyance at all. I saw them with my eyes wide open and most of my clairvoyance is with my eyes closed. Um, and, and the other thing is I, although I'm not a big feeler, um, there was just this wave of loving energy coming off them. I mean, seriously, they were all love. So while I was shocked, I was not at all afraid. And I mean, I was really shocked. I was so shocked that my mind actually went blank for what seemed like a long time, but was probably, you know, 10 seconds or something. Um And then I thought to myself, wow, I should ask them something. God, what do I ask them? And the only thing I could think of was, where are you from? What I really wish I had asked is, how'd you get here? But, uh, you know, at the (laughs) The door is locked. How'd you get in? (laughs) How'd you get here? But, you know, I was shocked. Um, And what happened was this word formed in my mind. Uh, very slowly, Arcturus. Wow. Now, um, like I said, I was not interested in astronomy. Um, so I had no conscious knowledge that that was a star. Now, it's possible that somewhere, sometime, somebody had been talking about a star and it registered in my uh, unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and I dredged up. So I'll give it, you know, that. like. I'm not 100% saying that this was what happened. Like, like I'm saying, I saw those beings. I could not have made that up. Um, I could not have made up what they were thinking to me, you know. Um, but it's possible I made up the Arcturus thing. But the next morning when I was telling Costa the story, I, I said, I think they said Arcturus. Is that a place? Because I genuinely didn't know. And, of course, I said to her, oh, yeah, it's... um." 
think a red super giant. You know, it's it's a real star with a system and <laughs> well known in astronomy 101. You learn about these. So that validated for her that at least the word had some meaning. Um, and it just kind of closed out the story really well because um, the um, the Arcturians, if we may, uh, I believe just slowly kind of their image just dissolved. Yeah, they just kind of faded out after what was probably a couple of minutes. Like, again, it seemed like a really long time, but it was probably a couple of minutes. And the, and the thing that we speculated, we cannot prove this, was that while I was up at Mount Shasta having these experiences, meditating and just opening up to all of this, I was creating an energy signature around me and I was calling Hollis every every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a strong husband-wife connection of sharing. ET beings who are spiritually evolved would pick up on that kind of energy and maybe this particular group of Arcturians was curious and wondered, Wow, this guy's got a strong connection. It's like a rainbow. What's at the end of it or something? Maybe they followed that energetic connection back to our home uh, because she's never had an experience like that. And it happened that week while I'm also kind of getting lit up. Exactly. I definitely think they followed his thought energy to me. If I were guessing, if I know Costi is probably in the field thinking, wow, I should tell Hollis this, um, which would be explain how they would follow his thought to me. But the other reason I think that is that um, a couple years later, when we were up at Mount Shasta with a, with a group, you'll notice after the, that experience, uh, I began to go with Costa. Of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she actually said, okay, now it's personal. I'm coming with you next year. <laughs> yeah. <Cal."> um, <laughs> anyway, a um, couple years later, we went with, um, again, the male half of a husband-wife couple. And the woman is very psychic. I mean, I didn't meet her until later but they're actually good friends of ours today and she said oh my god the whole week he was up there i was it was like grand central station in here there were there were beings coming through wanting to see who i was checking me out she said it was pretty much nonstop. so it may be there were way more than that only i didn't catch them you know but i'm pretty sure they followed his thoughts to me yeah and i do want to give them credit if they're out there listening because had they not done that and made it really personal for Hollis, you know, she likely would have stayed supportive of what I'm doing as I got into yeah. it deeper and deeper, but never made the step for herself to to want to dive in deeper. And it took something as dramatic that she could not deny as, you know, having them show up at the foot of her bread of her bed uh, to get her to kind of go over the edge there and join me in my reality and this new reality to explore together. So I'm, what I'm saying is I'm grateful to them, whoever they are, wherever they are. And for all I know, they maybe they had this in mind at some point, in some way to, to get us to kind of get on the same page together. I don't know. I might be attributing too much to that part of the story. But that's the effect it had. Uh, we've been doing this together um, ever since then in, in different capacities. But, but thanks to that particular night, uh, uh, we've been partners. Mm-hmm. Huh. And have you had have you had many other nights together since uh, with with experiences and sightings? And and do you guys do you guys go you guys go out regularly? Obviously, yes. And yes, we've been out many many times together. And you know, when the weather's bad, we <clears throat> I'm not sure I'd call it C five, but I'd call it contact work uh, in our home. 
Um, and, and we've had other on the ground experiences. I mean, the lights in the sky are nice. And honestly, once you've seen something that, you know, human craft can't do, um, again, you'll be a believer. And for me, the best stuff is when they show up on, on the ground. And, and no, I have not had anybody fully materialize yet, but we have had craft materialize uh, uh, twice that I can think of on the ground. I'm not completely material, but like semi-material. So, um, so you mean on the ground close to the group sort of? Yeah. One time the whole group actually got up and walked over to where the craft was. And those of us who can feel things uh, with our hands could literally feel we were inside something and we could literally feel like the walls of a hallway. And like, you know, here's the hallway. It's going around a corner here. And we all like three of us felt it. So, you know, I didn't make that up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And what's cool about a group like of any of any sort is that people come with different perceptual abilities. There'll be those like myself who might be more clairaudient. I will hear things. Hollis is an internal clairvoyant and sometimes she can feel things. Other friends of ours in the group uh, can actually see uh, uh, into the psychic realms. And that's what's cool. Another reason about why it's cool to have that group is you extend your range of, of, of perception. So a good example is that particular ship that Hollis was talking about. It was on the ground and three of the people could validate each other that, hey, I'm putting my hands up and I can follow a contour of something here energetically. Whereas another person maybe didn't feel that, but they spoke up in the group at that time and they said they could see beings in, cir- in a right. circle surrounding us and meditating with us as we stood there in the circle ourselves and closed our eyes and kind of joined them. And so that person could actually see beings and describe what they look like, uh, whereas I, I couldn't see them. But, you know, my friend was not making that up any more than my wife was making up the fact she could touch the ship and, and so on. So it was almost like the, the blind man and the elephant, right? One, one feels the, uh, the tail, another one the trunk, another one the legs. We each had a little piece of this larger jigsaw, if I may mix metaphors here, and, and brought our own perceptions to, to get a, a more accurate picture of the whole thing that, need, that none of us individually could have. And that's what's cool about group work. You, you just reinforce each other. And help each other that way. Yeah, I've got a, a story of of that uh, coming up as well in one of our groups that I want to get your opinion on. But be- before we get to that, is there any is there any encounters slash sightings that you could tell us about from some of the groups that you hear from? Like, is there can you give some people an example of some of the types of sightings? I mean, I I know you just did for your own experiences, but other ones that people have uh, reported to you. Absolutely, uh, we've had I've had people tell me about literal flyovers of craft, like maybe a thousand feet up where a craft will come over their home and, and stay there and they can see the contours. It's not just some hazy something. It's, it's, it's round. It's got lights. It's silent. It, it may be, it may beam down a light on everybody and illuminate the area. And then it just zips off into space at an incredible speed. Uh, literally people have had that happen. People have had their cars buzzed uh, by low-flying craft that they could see and distinguish. Um, 
And people are sending me videos at times too uh, of of lights that are doing anomalous things in the sky, and and the quality of those vary. Sometimes they're they're kind of a little bit questionable, which is like, well, you know, that could have been a plane or something else. Whereas at other times, it's like, oh my god, nothing we know of can do that, or flash like that, or behave like that. So so we get a range of that, and uh, every time someone says some sends something, you know, we you learn something new. No two stories are the same. Um, we've had other groups that, um, let me think, um, well, people that have been beamed up into ships. Now, uh, this is not an abduction. We're calling that experiencers these days or contactees. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about a foundation that is trying to change that whole perception of what used to be abductions because they're far more positive experiences, far more than all the negative anal probe kind of ones. Yeah, yeah. So some of my groups uh, do report, people will say they have missing time or they do come back with some memories of having conversations and been on board. You know, and who am I to to tell people they're lying or that yeah. they're a mistake, yeah. they were doing drugs or whatever. I hear a lot of this, and so I, I take it for what it's worth. Um, even if... Even if most of them were mistaken and maybe one or two are for real, man, if one or two for real, that means that anything is possible. If there really was a craft and you were aboard it, then that blows it all open. There is other life out there and they have means to get here and you communicated with them. That makes it possible for all of us. If it could happen once, it can happen a million times. Yeah. So let me, I guess I'll run, run by you then what happened to me in one of the CE fives. And I, and I, and I kind of have a, a theory about it as well. And I mean, I've had another experience. It's not like lights in the sky where I saw a craft that I'm, so I'm a, I'm a believer that some of, some of the stuff up there is, is, is ET, but I also know there's some, or no, I think there's, uh, you know, black, uh, black project stuff like high technology. That's sort of secret. That's, that's way more advanced than we think is also up there. So, I mean, I think it's tough sometimes to tell the difference, but when I was in a group here, um, a bunch of us on one side of the circle saw a flash bulb flash like three or four times, uh, in front of us. And we all exclaimed, Whoa, whoa, look at that at the same time. And then shortly after that, behind us, there was other flashbulbs and the, and the people across from us saw it. And they all exclaimed it at the same time as well. So even though it's just a flashbulb, it was enough for me to go like, that's not a plane. That's nothing like the, the flash itself was big enough to be, you know, 10 to 20 stars like if you were to look at the brightest star in the sky you know multiply that by 10 or 20 and that's the the brightness of the bulb that went off and and more multiple you know more of us saw it so to me that was a pretty clear communication or and it, and it's a simple way to communicate because it's just you know you're flashing on and off and it's just it's like nothing else in the sky um and i've heard a lot of other stories about flash bulbs as well but lately i've been thinking you know, we were doing it with this lady who drives around uh, hosting these groups. Um, her name's Deborah, and I thought, why? Why is it like the main sighting I've had and that we've had have both like most of the the main sightings have been while she's hosting those groups? And I was thinking, 
with all this advanced technology, it's it's not really impossible that she's being tracked, and then maybe there's some there's some um, you know human activity up there, like sort of faking us out. I mean, do you ever get into I don't know theories like that? Is that just wacky? Is it is it easier? It's kind of easier to believe it's ET, and and of course I've you know I hadn't really gone down the you know the the sort of the fakery path too much except for lately, and I'm just like, well, maybe you know maybe. Maybe it was something else. Well, it's a good thing that you have um, a discriminating, skeptical mind because I encourage people in the field, you know, to do just that. You want to eliminate all the possible natural causes before you jump into the "Oh my God, it's ET." Yeah, right. And I certainly am not naive enough to believe everything up there is ET because I do acknowledge there's unacknowledged projects that have reverse engineered uh, and we have stories of people that we know who have been in these projects and who have uh, retrieved crashed ufo uh, pieces and and you just know that they uh created their own craft from it uh, you know the black ops so how can you tell the difference i i don't think sometimes you you really could yeah but one test I would use is to um, uh, to send out thought, yeah. um, and especially in your heart and the vibrations, to that object uh, and see what kind of response you, you know you would get. If it's really a spiritual ET uh, being, they'll be able to to detect that. I'm not so sure that um, the the other black ops can although yeah. some people will make the case they have advanced psychic abilities they've been working on as well so yeah the the, the water is muddied and but yet the logical part of me thinks why would they follow this particular woman around just to fake things out i mean i know what's in it doing that exactly uh, fake out your group or the group next door to you like okay <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah Stop trying that, but okay, what is there to be gained? I could get a life. I mean, yeah, I know. Well, that's what I originally thought as well. I mean, and I I do, I like your uh, feedback about about throwing some intention out there or, or sending some thoughts or something from your heart. At the time, I just assumed it was, uh, as ET. And I mean, there was no question in my mind. It was just like, oh, there's an experience, and, and every, and there was multiple people seeing it so to me that was good enough but now later on when i'm thinking about it, i'm just trying to think of like you know could could that have actually been something else but host do, you, host do you have anything to say about that pretty much what costa said you if you send them a thought like please flash at me twice and he flashes at you twice now i don't know of any oh we can't we can't hear you host you've uh you've uh We've broken up here for a few few seconds here. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, If you think to whatever you see in the sky, you know, if you can hear me, blink three times for me and it does it. You know, that's pretty good because I don't know of any human craft that has a telepathic aspect. Maybe I'm sadly misinformed, but, you know, different light methods can certainly be achieved right using technology that we don't really know yeah um, 
but but the consciousness aspect is pretty hard to fake i think yeah i, I agree with you i think that's a good uh a good way to do it. I mean, even if they could read some sort of your mind to get that exact, you know, thought pattern and the answer, that would be pretty tough. And again, to what end? Um, if, if they can. Let me give you an example of one story where it was clear to us that, that it was ET. You know, you, you can second guess yourself on a lot of things. And yeah. even after a few years, I, I still will. But there's other times, many times I walk away and I go, I know what I saw. I know what I know. Uh, we were at Mount Shasta one night with um, a large group, maybe 40, 50 people sitting in a circle. We've done a long meditation as usual. And it was a, um, a clouded over sky with a mist, not a rain, but just misty. And you might say, well, what are we doing up there freezing our butts off <laughs> when it's covered? Well, the point is, and this has happened since then, although that what I'm about to tell you was the first time that it happened to me. Once the group finished meditating, um, Hollis and others pointed up straight up above the, the group, up into the sky, and a hole had opened in the clouds. And you could see space, black space and stars, like in this circular hole. But the rest of the cloud, the, the sky was still clouded, and there was no no wind like moving the clouds around. There was just a hole there. We had meditated a hole through the clouds. And let me just say, other groups have told me they've done this, and we've done this other times. Now, as the story goes on, in the, in the middle of that, I recall there was a stationary object that was flashing that we figured, okay, that probably is ET because it's not moving. It's not a satellite, not a plane, and it's flashing at us. But then the really cool thing happened, uh, which is to my point that there was no mistaking that in my mind, that this was ET. And by that, I mean that um, a mist started appearing in the middle of that black hole, kind of like, you know, you see dry ice at a, at a musical concert, you know, they use for special effects. It just comes out real misty and uh, wet and, you know, gives it a nice, uh, a nice look to the whole thing. Well, that's what this looked like to me. And it kept getting thicker and larger, this mist. And I'm wondering to myself, where's that coming from up there? And what's it doing? Because it's like coming on now. Uh, shortly, Hollis just exclaims to me, "Look, it's a heart." <laughs> it no, had, really, it was the shape of a heart. It had formed a huge cloud heart, like a Valentine heart that you couldn't mistake, sitting up there, and you're going, "What the heck?" And then um, um, one of the members of our group from across the way just shouted out to the rest of us. These words, they said, hey, I've just had telepathic contact with the ET craft up there. And he want, they wanted me to tell you that they love us. <laughs> wow. So they got that message and we all saw a visual, a heart at midnight, you know, coming out of nowhere that formed itself. You can't make this stuff up. Well, yeah. if you can, then you belong writing science fiction. but. Uh, you really can't make that up. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else people would need besides, you know, experiences like that to uh, to believe. I mean, there's still so much skepticism out there. It's unbelievable, you know. Like I've, you know, I'm we 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 hold pre people's experiences to a pretty high regard here, 
on the show. And, and I think that that's part of the opening up is people are sharing their experiences more and they're talking about it more, but it's still amazing to me how many people that are even open to a lot of other things. ET is just like, it's, it's just another level of hard. It's hard to get to that level, you know? Well, sadly, the um, the disinfo campaign for decades has done its job really well. You know, uh, little green men was the phrase when I was a kid. And, you know, all you had to do was say little green men about anything. And everyone would laugh and go, oh, yeah, that's for the Looney Tunes. That's for crazy people. Little green men. And then they just put that out there into the whole society. And when they programmed you like that to make fun of or make light of and not believe in life out there, for fear of losing and, and, and not talking about it for fear of losing your job or respect of anyone. They've done a really damn good job. And it's only been in the, um, I think the last couple decades that, as you mentioned, it's really opened up uh, through a variety of means to where it's more acceptable than it used to be uh, to believe in ET. And you know what? Now science is coming around because the, the more they talk about you know, another trillion galaxies were discovered, and they're upping the estimate of the average number of stars in galaxies from, you know, 400 million to now 800 million. So you do the multiplication, you do the math, and you realize there's one, a one with many, many zeros after it that represents all the stars. And then they're using formulas to figure the habitable stars, whatever. Even the, the, the rational astronomers are now talking openly about we've discovered planets and here's in fact it's more common for us every star now to have a to have a set of planets than it's not so the world has been opening up with just the numbers of what's possible out there and that alone has helped the more rational types of people to at least accept that there's so many stars and planets out there that the odds that some of them have life are pretty good yeah even now with the water water being discovered uh potential water on moons everywhere and i mean that even yeah and that will continue to happen um as you know as they make more discoveries but like hollis was saying earlier once you've had your own experience and it's undeniable um you don't need an astronomer to tell you that you just had a contact with uh, another life form uh, a conscious life form that that's really special and that you want to repeat um, to that point. Uh, again, that week at Mount Shasta, when I, when Hollis had her experience um, with the, the, the four, the three or four Arcturians, I also watched one midnight in the company of nine other people in, in a secluded area of woods. I watched a, a, what I think was about a six foot sphere materialize out of thin air, slowly, slowly fade in, and hover uh, a foot or so above the ground without making noise and without any other kind of wind or um, smell or anything. It just hovered silently and it was opaque. Uh, someone tugged at my sleeve and pointed at it and I was rubbing my eyes going, well, is it the shadows of the moon? Is it the foliage? And no, it wasn't. There was a sphere there that I could not see into. And for half an hour, all of us just kind of milled about and talked in real hushed tones as things hovered there. One of the members of the group said, hey, I've just gotten a telepathic message from the occupants of that. And they tell me that they are research scientists. 
<laughs> they've come to Earth to study human energy systems. Now, that was cool when this person exclaimed that to us. It gave us a little bit more of information about what is that doing here in the middle of the forest, you know? But as the story goes on, there was a woman next to me, I'll call her Gloria, who was during that half hour standing very straight as a board with her arms extended out at a right angles to her body and, and her forearms and palms parallel to each other for that half hour. Um, try doing that and holding your arms out there without having them get heavy and drop for half an hour. But that's what she did. I didn't know exactly what was going on with her, but I no noticed that this was odd. And since I was standing next to her, I figured, well, I'm not going to interrupt because I know she's psychic. Maybe she's having a communication. And if she shows any signs of distress, I'm right here and you know I can grab her and help her, whatever. Well, during that half hour, she just sat there motionless, not saying or doing anything. So I knew something was going on. At the end of the half hour, she kind of shook a little bit. Her body shook and she started mumbling and was disoriented. And I think I just grabbed her shoulders and steadied her. And I was saying, Gloria, are you okay? Are you okay? It's me, Costa. Are you okay? What's going on? And she said, yeah, I'm okay. Just a little disoriented. And at, at that point, the sphere started dematerializing, fading uh -huh. out like it does, like in a movie. Yeah. And we found out from her that one of the beings inside approached her telepathically, psychically, and, and asked her, may I merge with you in order to study your energy system? Um, and this is, like I said, this was going on when no one knew because it was silent in her head. And I was just watching her standing there. But that's what was going on during that time. She said, yes, go ahead. Uh, but I have three conditions. I mean, what presence of mind to be approached? <laughs> yeah. that? And then still go, yeah, okay, but hold on. I want you to sign this contract here. Yeah, and it's NDA, and I want my lawyer here, too. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom. Yeah, my mom, too. Um, no, but she had three conditions, she told us. One was um, that the entity leave her body when she said to leave and the entity agreed i should say the scientist agreed uh the second condition was that she remained conscious she didn't want to be knocked out and unaware of her surroundings but to be fairly aware of what what's going on with her uh, again the scientist agreed with that um, her final and third um condition was that the scientist was not to touch the sexual stuff, the, the sexual organs, you know, no, no funny business with, you know, probes and this and that. Uh, and the scientist agreed to that. So that's what went down that half hour that she had made this agreement. It was carried out, carried out well. And then the ship left. It, dis it uh, disappeared. Two of the members in our group, though it was midnight, had sunburns. Um, they were not harmed and it wasn't uh, bad for them. But when we shone a light on their face, you could see they had reddened, uh, presumably from the energy of this craft. And let me tell you, I was close enough that I could have taken one step, long step over there and tried to touch it. But part of me was going, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm dealing with. And you don't want to ruin and, the experience. You don't want to stop the, the experience. Like if it, if it feels steady and it's there and everybody's looking at it, you don't really want to. You know, jump scare it. <laughs> and I don't want to hurt myself because I was validated by the fact these guys 
who had not touched it, but had been at a distance from it, got sunburns. I mean, the rest of us didn't. But it goes to show me, it goes to show you that there was some kind of energy involved here. And though there was no malintent and intended by the occupants of the craft, still an accident could have happened. You know, I might have been sensitive in some way when I touched it that, you know, I get fried or, or whatever. So anyway, my point is I didn't didn't touch it. Uh, we had the experience and nobody took a picture. Nobody thought to take a picture. We had cameras among us. I mean, go figure, right? After it's gone, you're going, did you get that on camera? I uh, know. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, but, you know, we have our memories. And it's, I guess nine other people. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how we talked about this fear, this this fear that we may have or we may not have or we may not even know that we have it. And yet she was able to be conscious enough, like you said, to to answer that like they approach her and and she you know how many times do they approach people and they're not ready for that or they or they they're not um you know articulate enough and aware enough to actually enable that to happen you're absolutely right and she's a pretty unique and amazing person for that situation yeah and for so many people to, to to experience it as well that's that's a great story yeah and also like in hollis's case you know she she was also ready shocked but ready to experience what she experienced so she's pretty unique and and great in that way too other people would have hightailed it or freaked out or yelled um but anyway we're grateful for those who do keep it together because <laughs> yeah. then they can, they can give us these these stories their experiences to, to validate what we what we've been seeing yeah so what do you guys think on a bigger bigger picture thing now um what do you think? Like it, it may seem obvious, but what what do you what's the importance of the people's disclosure movement or, or disclosure in general? What's your opinion on that? My opinion is that the more that we disclose ourselves, the better. I I believe that ET is here. That, that there are many civilizations here. Uh, I believe that most of them are benevolent. Not all have been at all times, but. The information I have says that the bad actors have been taken care of by by bigger and badder actors than they are, or better actors than they are. Uh, so by and large, the civilizations that are here don't want us to destroy ourselves. They want to help, but they don't want to interfere with our free will. When we make contact and offer to co-create with them, and this is something I talk about in my community, is... We're just, we're just not there watching lights in the skies and coming up with stories to tell at parties, which is great. But we're actually, we've been asked to co-create with them. When we get in our, med- in our meditations, for example, in the med- meditations that I lead, I, I set up visuals where I say, hey, um, let's reach out to the ETs and say, let's visualize a golden age of Earth together. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants free energy. Um, uh, an economic system, justice, clean environment, you know, all that stuff cleaned up because the earth is in a mess, thanks to humans. But we can do better. And part of our contact is to do better, is to visualize uh, a better world that we can we can have. And ET is here to help once we give them permission. Um, I will go back to, uh, I had said at the beginning of this broadcast that there's a backstory to what I was asked to do with this mission, and I think now's a good time to to bring that up. When I formed etletstalk.com, I wondered to myself, well, is it really worth 
organizing people? Are people ready? Are they going to respond? Will they come back month after month? This is going to take a lot of work. Uh, it's a volunteer effort. You know, I need to keep up a job. And I just had questions. But uh, I posed those questions thanks to Hollis, who has her own telepathic ET contact and, and did at the time uh, pose that question to RET friends on my behalf. And that was, you know, should Costa proceed with this? Is this something that you guys want? Is there some usefulness to it, to him organizing on a global scale? The answer was very clear, very simple, very direct. Uh, the ET intelligence said to me, to us, yes, we have a request, and that is that you form as many ET contact teams as possible in as many places as possible, as soon as possible. Wow. And the reason is that they want to be given permission to appear more often, because as they appear in more places more often, then more people will see them. When more people see them, they will ask in many more places to see them and give them more permission, and that will give them that more permission to be seen in many in, in even more places. It's kind of like they actually described it. They gave it a term. They called it a virtuous circle, a feedback loop. You know, give me permission. Okay, you gave it to me. I'm going to show up. Now there's more of you giving me permission. I'll show up in more places. What's the point of all that? Well, here's the big picture, uh, getting to the, the point of your of your question, I think. They, they told me, us, that soon by doing this process, a tipping point would be yeah, reached. I was just going to ask you that. I was just going to ask you if there's like a percentage or a tipping point where once it reaches it, it just it snowballs. I, I was not given a number. Silly me if I, <laughs> I I was assimilating all this going, wow, wow. OK. And like Kala said with her little Arcturians, I could have asked this. I could have asked that. Well, yeah. that's my one. It's like, hey, you got a magic number for me? Yeah, like, what's the percentage here? Computer scientist, you know, give me a percentage here or a range of percentages or something. I didn't I didn't do that. But and I suppose I could go back and do that again. I, maybe we will. <laughs> but the major point was they said a tipping point would be reached through this process, and that by reaching it, so many people would have seen them, and it would have changed the collective consciousness so much and removed the fear so much that at that point, no power on earth, no government, no cabal, no Illuminati, nobody could ever hide and cover up this reality ever again because people would be knowers and not believers and it would be game over for those guys and their cover-ups and that's why they fear a people's disclosure perfect yeah i like that i gotta say it was worth it just for the map the map is something special. Oh, see, Darren's got the map out now. He's he's registered, and, and he's just fascinated by the map. <laughs> oh, good. Well, okay. Tell us a bit about it, Darren. Well, I need a map like this. <laughs> what? It looks like U.S. is your most popular. Yeah. So it seems to be a thing. That's the same with us, too. It just seems to be, must just be... I it's the population. It it's the it's the sheer like population of advanced uh, or not advanced. Yeah, but you do you think I mean? it is? Like, yeah, I think yeah. it's gadgets and things like yeah. that. I think more people have, and I think that in today's world, it's the internet and the gadgets and things like that that help yeah. us folks. Like, because you think connect. about the equivalent population in Europe, it would be all these different cultures, right? 
that would even match the U.S. in population. Like it's, yeah, it would take a lot of European countries to make 330 million people, I think. They'd also have to read English, right? The, the website's in English. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, right what I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, so, we, no, I want to say that we have um, the ability to translate. There's a, a bunch of flags across the top there. And if you're a speaker of another language, uh, we can't have all the flags, but we tried to get the major the major languages and countries of the world. But if you see your flag, oh, you yeah, click look on at it, that. I didn't even notice that. Translated. Now, and having said that, none of us has ever encountered any piece of software. And tell me if you have, because <laughs> we're about to make a billion bucks. But none of us has <laughs> discovered any piece of software, Google Translate included, that will translate 100% what, yeah. what is a piece of art in your world into someone else's language who doesn't scratch their head every now and then and go, that doesn't make sense. Why would I want to contact fried eggs? Yeah. You know, okay. Or something like that. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes, yes, absolutely. You can translate the website there and it'll be a reasonable uh, job that will let people know what we're up to. But we're not saying that it's it's perfect down to the every word any, any more than Google Translate is. Uh, but it's there anyway. Uh, and it and it will get other people to understand the basics of what we're doing. So let let not the fact that it's in English stop anybody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is great. We'll get we'll help get the word out here as well. Um, you know, and with this podcast and and the sort of the the networks that we have. And That's then what what, what do you, what do you guys have planned for uh, for the future? You have some retreats coming up, right? Do you do that every year? Yeah, uh, for the last two years, this is our third year going. There's nothing like um, actually meeting face-to-face finally with a small group of people and getting to know them over five or six days as you go out and do contact um, every night and you get results. So this year, ET Let's Talk has uh, three retreats. We have uh, Mount Shasta for six days and nights uh, starting June, Sunday, uh, June 18. Wow. And then... In the Midwest, uh, for the first time, and there are a lot of people interested there, uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, um, major home of Indiana University where where I graduated, we have a wonderful field site there, and we'll be gathering people there to do a retreat as well. And then... When was that that one? Oh, that one is... uh, Thank you. It's uh, September 17th. Okay. That's a day one, and there's a reason for that, but September 17th, Sunday through Friday... Uh, we'll do the retreat there. And then finally in Joshua Tree in Southern California oh. for six days and nights, um, October 15th, again, Sunday through, uh, in that case, Saturday. And I want to uh, invite people to come to the website and, and sign up. The cost is very affordable. There are others doing this kind of work that are charging six, seven times as much for basically the same experience. So we feel that... Uh, because we align with the everyday kind of person, <laughs> we don't want to gouge people like others do, and so we offer uh, a low cost experience, um, as well as um, during the days, Hollis uh, does some teaching in her classes for the people. Now let her describe what she does. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was going to ask you guys about that. How you spend the rest of the time together as well? So a lot of contact actually happens psychically, whether that's clairvoyantly, clairaudiently, telepathically, uh, clairsentiently, which is feeling. Um, So I help people access what they're good at 
because each person has his or own unique set of talents and everybody has them. You know, you know, it, it's kind of like the ability to run, right? Some people are doing the four minute mile and there's people like me who, you know, it's 17 minutes. Um, but everybody has some and no matter what ability you start out with, if you like anything else, if you practice, you get better. So I help people access what they're good at and practice. You know, we talk a little bit about, you know, access, you know, meeting your own ET. Because I really do believe that, you know, we, ha you know, if you're interested, there's probably a really good reason you're interested. You know, you've probably had contact, a s certainly a large number of people that I meet um, in, in the context of doing contact work will say, yeah, I'm not from here. Right. You've, I'm sure you've met a few of those too. Yeah. Oh yeah. A Raelian or two. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, for those people, they for sure have their own, you know, some talk about their other family. We had one friend um, now on the other side who spoke very lovingly of seeing her real father who was from the Pleiades uh, in the dream state every night and would recount her conversations with him. And, you know, so anyway, so making that contact more effective. So we'll be doing that too. And as well uh, for group leaders, people who have the responsibility of, 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 of leading a contact meditation, Hollis mm -hmm. yeah. can describe what she does well, with that. Well, you know, I'm a trained hypnotherapist and there are some very basic rules about leading a good meditation. And so I teach people those. Nice. What about well, because one of the major things that holds contact back is fear uh, on an individual basis and on, on a societal and collective basis. Hollis also has a class that focuses on the identification, if correct me if I'm wrong, and the removal yeah. of this fear so that uh, contact can be better. It's all focused to like, you know, here's three different things that will make this experience of contact better for you, a better quality, a better outcome. Yeah. How many people do you guys have on these retreats? I maxed it out at about 40 because uh, it's like handling any other large group, all the logistics. Yeah. Also, because in a short amount of time, the challenge is to bring people who many of whom have never met each other, they're meeting each other for the first time. There are different personalities, different ages, different cultures and all that. And the challenge is to get the group to be here. Uh, Hello? Huh. This and that. Oh, we, oh, um, oh, yeah. Can you go back to the yeah, challenges? Yeah, we lost you for a few minutes. So the challenges of the different groups of people? Yeah, the challenges are the time. No, we've, we've, uh, we've completely lost you. Something's just uh, got the signal here. Uh, yeah, here, let's try and figure out, uh, should we... I was going to hang up and call you right back. 
Okay, we're gonna we're gonna hang up and call you right back. Okay, we're still here. Okay. We need some elevator music to play when this is happening. <laughs> I feel a leisure suit, Larry. Okay, I'll play something for you. I can't see my fucking pointer far away. There we go. Hello. That was quick. It was quick. Oh, hang on. Now something's, uh, can't hear you. Hello? We're here. Oh. oh. Yeah, no, something's wrong. We still can't hear you. It's, um, I can just, you're faintly coming. You guys coming, are super faint. You're faintly coming in and out. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, yeah, I know. It's so weird either of we. Okay, so I think, Darren, you got him now? Can you guys keep talking for a sec? Yeah. Okay. No, I think we're, we're dialed back. Okay, okay, we here. got you back. Okay. Okay, we're almost Maybe finished. Maybe you're not supposed to tell me that because <laughs> I'm too skeptical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll uh, we'll just f- finish off here, and then Darren's got a, a couple last questions, and we'll wrap it up. I think, yeah, we were at the challenges of a group. Okay. The challenge is we just short amount of days to get. And when you people who have never, most of the time, they've never met each other, whether it's a dozen people or 40 people, you have an assemblage, uh, an assembly of different personalities, uh, ages, cultures, whatever. So Hollis and I have to find a way to get the group into coherence as soon as possible and through her exercises and through group sharing and sitting in a circle and having a group dinner together and just creating an atmosphere of fun and togetherness for the same goal. We try to address that and get, get everyone kind of on the same page uh, quickly. Did that answer your question? Cause I, I know we would through some interruptions. I may have, lost focus on what the original question was. No, that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting to know. I mean, it's good that you're doing workshops and stuff through the day as well and building coherence and training people how to become, you know, better meditation instructors and, and all those things. So have you guys, have you guys got, um, lots of interest for this and are you going to do it? You're doing it every year. Like I'm surprised you're actually doing three this year. That's great. Yeah. I decided to experiment. Uh, yeah, we, we do have a, great interest. Um, I'm not filled up yet, so that's why I'm talking about it now. Um, if uh, people want to come to Mount Shasta and experience something amazing or Bloomington, Indiana or Joshua Tree, uh, there's still plenty of time to prepare and all they have to do is come to the website and there's a landing page there that describes a little bit in more detail about the activities. Uh, one thing I also want to mention is that I uh, set up an experience that's, that's kind of a, a balance. There's sometimes when you go to retreats or to symposiums and they run you ragged from morning till night. Yeah. Yeah. In order to get you to have a feeling like, you know, Hey, we provided you with a lot of content and yeah. I understand, I understand the reasoning behind that. However, you wind up burning people out. And so I strive to do a balance, which is I leave enough time in the mornings for people 
to explore the beautiful areas where we're located, whether they want to, uh, you know, shop, hike, nap, go into town, have a picnic, you know, whatever, meditate. They have a lot of free time on their own. And then we get together in the afternoons for the teaching. Then we break for, for supper. And then we go out in the field. And so we repeat that day after day with that balance kind of built in so that uh, people walk away being refreshed at the end of five or six days instead of you know, short of sleep and, and grumpy and, and, and grumbling, you know. And, and we get a lot of great feedback from folks. Uh, and did I mention we also have ground and, and sky content all, all during the week of varying, varying kinds that just delights us no matter what the location is. So I'm going to keep doing this. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Have you, do you want to, do you have a question about that? Are you going to do anything for the, like, what about for the eclipse when you're going to have a couple, a uh, couple million people looking up? Is there anything that, that could happen then or we, people can do? Or Are you talking about that eclipse that goes all the way across the, 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 the state, States or whatever? August 17th. August 17th. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I personally had not planned anything on about that or around that. You should ask the folks to show up near the sun. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, every, like you said, a couple million people have their eyes on the sun during total and total darkness there for a minute or whatever, however long that Two minutes lasts. and 19 seconds where I'm going. Two minutes and 19 Poison seconds. Cake. That's where I'm going. Wow. It gets shorter. So it starts out longer in the, down by like Louisiana or Florida. Yeah. And then by the time it hits the Oregon coast, it's now to like a minute 39 or something. Okay. So you, and where are you going to see it? I'm not going anywhere near the coast because right. there's going to be a bunch of meatballs there, millions of them. And what? just doesn't, I can just, oh yeah, there's a bunch of festivals and it's going to be a <laughs> gong show. I don't need to be anywhere near that shit with my family. Wait, wait. And plus there's a whole lot of gravity going on. So I'd rather just be away from the fault line in the ocean and California. They can so where California. are you going to be then? I'm going to be in Idaho, I think. Idaho? Yeah, I'm going to go to, uh, I think, someplace in Idaho. Maybe Wyoming. It's Darren, what he does for fun. Uh, <laughs> I know what he doesn't. <laughs> now I'm curious. I podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a gardener. <laughs> Podcaster and a gardener, yeah. <laughs> and Eclipse... Yeah, I'll make the trek to see an eclipse for sure. Okay. Well, if, if you can ask our friends up there if they want to make a show during then. It doesn't hurt to ask, right? I, absolutely. That would be great if you could ask for me. Yeah. One day, maybe okay. Graham will cohere me enough. I'll be coherent I'll, enough that he can take me along. I'll, I'll work on his coherence in the meantime. The other thing sure. I want to know is I want to know because I guarantee you there's a couple of Americans in that map. On that map, and I want yeah. to know who they are. Yeah. Email Graham if you're on the map. Okay. And I, I want to add some more people to the map too. Yeah. We could fill out Alberta a little bit, I yeah. think. Yeah, we'll try and get some more people on the map for you. Well, All that, right. would, that would be awesome. I handle those personally, so I will uh, uh, thank them each personally as I thank you right now. Right and by on. the way, if, if we do go ahead with the clips idea and get our, our whole ET Let's Talk community to, to focus on it, make the, the request and something happens i will credit you darren with the idea okay. <laughs> perfect and i will credit you with uh setting it up because i think well, yeah. that's even better having the having the ability to set it up is better than the idea 
Yeah, but the idea's got to start it. So it had to come from somewhere, and, and you're the you're the fun guy, and uh, had the idea. So yeah, I'll, I'll think about that. Well, your Thank Skype you. is probably going to ring like two seconds after it happens. So because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be watching. Yeah. Right on, guys. Well, if my if my holiday plans change as well, I might see you in June. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, that would be bring yeah. your friends. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You know, yeah. I, I can even take people up to like almost the last day because it's not full right now. But yeah, the sooner you check in, the better. Just in case uh, you are filling up. Yeah, that's that's good for sure. So that's so just so people know, Mount Sass is what Northern California. That's right. Yeah. Northern California and Joshua Tree, Southern California, and Bloomington, Indiana, and the in the, the Midwest heartland. Right on. Is that like Sequoia Country? Uh, no, Sequoia is uh, north of LA. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just wondering. Yeah. Well, believe me, Mount Shasta has this really huge mountain. So you don't need sequoias, man. If there is skiing, there's lake activities, there's hiking, mountaineering. Beautiful. It, it's just drop dead gorgeous. Um, Plus, there's a lot of crazy conspiracies about Mount Shasta, too. It's quite the spiritual uh, yeah. center, really, isn't it? Well, and things just happen there. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's, it's one of those portal. It's one of those portal places. I think that people always talk about. People do, and believe me, over the years, and we've been there many times. We have seen uh, blobs of fast-moving craft go into that mountain or yep. shoot out of it, or two or three of them at midnight, one a.m. on the face of the mountain when. There's no one there because it's like 11,000 feet up. We saw two or three lights, very bright, from even five miles away where we were stationed, just hovering there and dim out and move around. You know, they're there. In a place where people really couldn't be because it's too steep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's happened more than once. So whether or not you believe a particular conspiracy theory, uh, there is strange stuff that goes on there, so I tend to believe it is a magnet in some way. Yeah, yeah. It's a UFO base there. Yeah, it's inside, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like I say, we've seen the ships around there, very specifically going in there and coming out. Um, so, what do you make of that? Yeah, exactly. Right on, guys. Well, thanks so much for your time and for talking about your experiences in this um, People's Disclosure Movement. Really happy to chat with you. Our pleasure. It is our pleasure. Thanks for uh, for staying with us on this and yeah, inviting us. For sure. And I'll, I'll put all these links, all links to your two sites. Hollis, I wanted to get you to mention as well, you've got a website as well, right? I do. Um, 888-4-hollis.com. That's H-O-L-L-I-S.com, which actually is also my toll-free number. Um, so, oh, no, that's actually how I got. So. Okay, great. And I'll put the other links as well. Greetings as well as, as training people how to use their own player senses, their own psychic. Okay, great. And I'll put the other links in there as well. And, um, yeah, we'll send you guys a copy when we get it, when we publish it. Great, thank that you. That sounds great. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Guys. Okay, thanks, okay, guys. guys. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Here. Bye. Bye-bye.
So that was our chat with Costa and Hollis. Yeah, I just I want to mention here quickly because uh, they were starting to break up at the end there. Yeah, Hall- Hollis is bad. Hollis I, wonder, is, I wonder why they didn't want to. Yeah, that's, that's strange. Right? How is that be? It happened yeah, like the, right at eight o'clock. No, it wasn't eight o'clock either. You know, it's funny because it looked like it was eight o'clock on this computer, but this computer is like twenty minutes ahead. Yeah. So that. I just thought maybe something happened at eight o'clock. No, it's it's uh, everyone that, turns on their fucking internet. No, I think the secret space program was getting wind. Yeah, yeah. They finally locked in. It they took them an hour. It took them an hour. <laughs> Let's shut these guys down. So Hollis's website is eight 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 dash four dash Hollis h o l l i s dot com. Uh, she's got her stuff on there. Psych- psychic readings and um, all about that. And then the other website again is etletstalk.com. And I'll put those in the show notes. So, what'd you think, buddy? It was good. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I like those guys. Yeah. They seem like good people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know. I'm, I want to go on a retreat now. Like, that'd be sort of. I would go with them. Because it would be a bit of a holiday, right? Yeah, you it know? sounds way funner. Yeah. They seem then genuine. When, funner than what? I'm not going to talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And all these experiences people are having all over the world. And you check out the map, right? There's The map is great. We need a map like that. Yeah. Did you see me on there then? You're not on there. What? You're not on there. But Calgary's on there, right? There's yeah. Thing. Why you am I haven't not on signed there? up. Yeah, I did sign up, I'm sure. Oh, did no? you? I don't think point. you did. I must have. I was looking for you specifically. <laughs> so who was in the city then? There's a couple people in the city in Calgary? A couple people, yeah. yeah. Huh. I was actually checking to see if I'd recognize any of the names from listeners. Because it's got to be crossover. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I'm sure there's a couple couple well, dozen I'll, people. I'll sign up now then, since I don't know. That's weird. I thought I was on there for I'll sure. I'll just sign up after you're done podcasting. Okay. You do that? Yeah. So yeah, if you guys enjoyed Look, this so chat. You can sign up in the middle of the show and I can't? I was for the show. You signed up in the middle of the show, though. For the show. I was talking. Well, this is well, for the someone show. should be signed up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys, check out grammarica.ca slash support uh, for all the different options there and how you can keep us having these long, fun, uninterrupted, commercial-free, bullshit-free chats. Probably don't even have to skip ahead. Think about the other guys. You're just skipping ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I listen to some, and I skip through all the ads. So some of them, I've actually know exactly how many times I have to hit the button to get... The yeah. end of the but you don't have to worry about that here so if you can when you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month up to as much as you like really um, but if everyone could do a buck a month that would be enough uh, anyways check out grammarica.ca slash support there's also the option there for one time donation and if you can't uh, afford to support us monetarily which we understand 100% uh, there's a bunch of different other things you can do Check out the show notes. Yeah, leave us a voicemail. Yeah, pretty much all the stuff you can do. The PO box. Yeah, there's like ten things we ask you to do in the PO box to support the show. In the, and in the show nine notes. Of the, in the show notes. What did I say? PO box. Oh, in the, the PO box is the show notes. Um, there's like ten things we ask you to do in the show notes to support the show, and nine of them don't cost you anything. Yeah, there you go. So do that shit. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Big thanks to Costa and Hollis. Yeah, and hi to all the ones in the in the chat room in the Google Hangout. We have to shout out these fucks every episode. No, we shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.
Yeah. 